welcome to a special uh, Monday night edition of Take Human Action PA. I'm Calvin, I'm your host. Uh, we do have some very special guests with us uh, right out of the Take Human Action Tour. Uh, New York is where I first uh, met this duo. So uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, for now, I'll just say the Take Human Action Tours have officially wrapped up. We just had the event in Austin this past weekend. So now the tour is concluded and we're going to be going into uh, full swing with the excuse me, the campaigns uh, and issue coalitions and project decentralized revolutions. So we'll have more updates on that in the coming weeks. Uh, but for now, uh, I will just say if you want to watch the replays of the events that we did uh, from the Take Human Action Tours, you can go in the description to the Mises Caucus uh, YouTube page, not this one, but uh, at at LP Mises Caucus, the national page there, you can go look at all the recordings from all the talks that happened during the event and the campaign trainings. Um, they're, they're all really good people, uh, really led by really good people, like Angela McArdle and other names you'll recognize uh, did some of those trainings. So definitely check those out. Uh, so in the meantime, thanks for watching. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on your way out and give this video a like. Uh, so with that, I will introduce our guests. So uh, our guests today are their freedom fighting duo uh, that began hosting uh, Monero meetups in New York City in 2018. Um, they've been doing interviews on digital cash uh, with their show Monero Talks since 2018. And they've been running the Monerotopia community show uh, since 2020, a conference since 2022, and working to help build a Monero economy outside of state control on uh, gratuitous <laughs> apologies for pronouncing that wrong, uh, since 2019. Uh, so let's welcome uh, Douglas and Sunita to the show. How are you doing? Hey, hey what's how's going on, Calvin? How's it going? Yeah, it's great to finally have you on. Uh, sorry, I had to keep pushing it back, but I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. Um, so how are you both doing? We're Just doing well. <laughs> we got a lot going on because we have our, our Monero Topia conference coming up in literally, what, three days? It starts on Friday. Yeah, four it days. Starts, it starts on Friday. It starts on Friday. Yeah. Well, so thanks for... In Mexico City, and we're in Queens right now, so we were, we, we're like... We got a lot going on. You're halfway out the door. <laughs> halfway out the door. But uh, yeah. Welcome, man. Well, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to uh, talk with us today. Uh, so uh, let's get right to it then. Uh, so uh, why don't you tell us about uh, your background, how you got into uh, cryptocurrency and Monero specifically, and you know how the two of you met? You can go first. <laughs> Sunita likes being behind the scenes, really. We do our, Monero, <laughs> we, I, I do the Monero talk show where I interview, you know, it's like an hour long interview like this, usually with like developers in the Monero community. And then we also do the Monero Topia show that we do together, which is every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Sunita so doesn't really love being, being on camera. She's more, but she, she runs the entire operation behind the scenes, which is quite a bit. Uh, but we met, I mean, we, we met pretty Monero. Pre-Monero, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pre-Monero. Uh, we worked together in a non-crypto field. And, you know, I, I found my way into 
crypto like late 2013 i had heard about it before and you know i would speak about it in the office a little bit and hey you guys keep your eye on this thing everybody <laughs> was like shut up tuman nobody nobody cares we're we're doing engineering work we work we, we work in civil engineering so wait sunita's hitting my leg what's up oh no i'm not what are you talking okay. about? <laughs> um and so we uh now, now you threw me off now you i wasn't me off. even hitting you, you um so yeah we we uh yeah so i got in like 20 2013 i just talk about it everybody thought i was a little crazy uh but so <laughs> it's like maybe yeah. gave it a little bit of deference she's like well, maybe, it's like not as, maybe it's not as crazy as he thinks and i got pretty passionate about it pretty quick um and i i fell down the bitcoin rabbit hole and yeah never never made my way back uh but then from bitcoin i found my way to monero once i realized what i believe to be bitcoin's fundamental flaw which is the fact that it's not fungible right uh we could get into that but essentially bitcoin is completely traceable given its transparent ledger and because of that uh it, it lacks fungibility uh, and it, it was that realization that led me down the Monero rabbit hole. I was looking for for a crypto that solved that problem, and I found Monero. And Sunita, Sunita just kind of goes, you know, always. Yeah, I got introduced into Bitcoin, and then eventually, yeah, he kept talking about Monero. I was like, oh, what's this? And then, <laughs> so and, we, we, we and then we started the a show. Yeah, we well, started the that, Monero talk show. Well, we started the meetups together. The meetups. Because he was like, oh, let's go to these uh, meetups. So. That's how I kind of started learning more about it. And then after that, we decided he came up with this idea about starting a Monero show. And then I ended up being like the producer behind it and still am to this day. Yeah, it's uh, wow. it's been. Yeah, it's been it's been a long ride. But it's been it's awesome. Been, it's been amazing. I mean, we've got to a ton of amazing events, interview. We've, I don't even know how many hours of footage we've. We have a lot. YouTube. We've, we do a yeah, show. It looks like a lot. Two yeah, shows we, a week. Essentially. We do two shows a week. Our first real like successful thing was when we threw the Monero after parties in New York City. The consensus this after parties. This was even before yeah. the meetups, I think. Wasn't the first one 2017? I don't know. It was the consensus yeah. after party. It was the same year. Yeah. And it was very cool. You know, we had like a lot of the old, old school Monero uh, Bitcoiners that were there as well. Um, and that was kind of our, our first success. And then we, we, we grew it from there. And now we're doing the Monerotopia conference, which is really, I mean, that, that's, it's, it's become a beast. It's a three day yeah. conference. We did it last year in Miami. Miami was the first time doing the conference. And this year it's in Mexico city. And it's bigger. It's three days. Last year was one day. So and it's very, it's more. very cool. It's a very, you know, Liberty, Liberty loving vibe. We have uh, agorists that are going to be there talking. We have anarchists that are going to be there talking. And then obviously we have Monero people that are going to be presenting on Monero tech. And then we have people from other privacy tech uh, cryptos and projects that will be presenting as well. So gotcha. impact weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, get more into that as we go along here. Um, so uh, you touched on it uh, a little bit, but I just want to uh, make sure we're uh, starting with uh, defining the terms. So um, how would you describe uh, Monero to someone who's maybe heard of Bitcoin, but uh, not much else. I would just simply describe it as the untraceable anonymous version of Bitcoin. That's kind of like the elevator pitch. Right. And in a more 
technical sense, my understanding is that while uh, Bitcoin has a public ledger, whereas you can uh, essentially look up what the incoming and outgoing wallet is or the wallet address for the transactions, there is no such thing in Monero. Is that the main difference? Yeah, I mean, Monero also has a public ledger, right? So it uses ledger technology, right? Uh, uses the the blockchain, okay, and, and it's basically you know nodes coming to consensus on what's the state of that ledger at any point in time, and any and at any time somebody wants to change that ledger, miners come to consensus on on what gets put into that ledger. Uh, so same basic tech, right? Proof of work, mined, all that, all that jazz. Uh, public ledger, but the public ledger is obfuscated, so you can't actually see uh, what's written on the ledger, right? You can't see who the sender is, you can't see who the receiver is, and you can't see the amount sent because that's all obfuscated. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the primary difference. It uses three, three basic technologies to do that. One is confidential transactions, and that obfuscates the amounts which was actually invented by Bitcoiners, uh, but was never implemented. Confidential transaction was never implemented into Bitcoin, likely never will be. Um, the other technology is stealth addresses, and that hides who the receiver is. So there's actually no address to go look up on the Monero blockchain to see you know, what what transactions are being sent to it use something called stealth addresses and then the third main technology is ring signatures and that obfuscates the sender so similar to bitcoin there's a signer of the transaction but with monero you can't see who the true signer is because it uses something called ring signatures so it looks like there's a bunch of people that may or may not be the signer and you don't know who the real one is and effectively at the end of that what you have is uh something that can't be tracked or traced because there's nothing to look at in the ledger. There's no way to assign a history to any transaction because you can't see a history. And then the the you know the system itself is arguably uh, theoretically just as secure on a technical level in comparison to Bitcoin, right? But it's using these technologies where it kind of adds uh, another. Uh, layer of encryption where you know it's performing all the same math mathematics at the root right of what what bitcoin actually does uh but with additional encryption on top of it so that you can't see actually visibly see what's taking place so you're, you're trusting in this math and you're tr and trusting in this encryption that it's implemented the correct way uh and that th through that um effect you're getting the same thing that Bitcoin does, right? Uh, the same trustless system, a decentralized system that's not controlled by any state or corporation, but with the added feature of not of people not being able to surveil the ledger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a uh, benefit to that. Um, I have some questions uh, later on that I'll I'll dive a little more into that. Uh, but one thing I want to know, since um, I believe you recently did a, uh, what was it, a birthday stream for Monero, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. So uh, what what exactly do we know about the origins of Monero, like how it how it came about or, you know, motivations behind it by, beyond, the, beyond the obvious um, additional feature privacy? I don't know if there's anything 
more specific than that or any immediate need that motivated the creation? Uh, what do you know about that? Yeah, well, I mean, the creation story is pretty interesting. So it's 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 very similar to Bitcoin in that way. Uh, it was anonymously created by a group of, well, whether, whether it's a group of one person, right? So Bitcoin is Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, Monero was started by uh, Nicholas Van Saberhagen, right? So actually same same initials reversed. Uh, mm. It was his own white paper. It's the crypto note white paper. Bitcoin was the Bitcoin white paper. Monero is based on the uh, crypto note white paper, which was released a couple of years after Bitcoin was created. And it was literally, if you, if you read that, after reading the Bitcoin white paper, you'll see that it was actually you know invented in response to Bitcoin and for the purposes of trying to implement these technologies that I was just talking about to solve the what it saw as being the root problem with Bitcoin, which is basically its its traceability. Did we? Uh, did we I thought we. I thought we lost you for a second. Oh no, no, uh, that's that's just me uh, focusing on you when you're uh, when you're giving a, a good answer that I, I want. To <laughs> I, I, want I want to add to that too. So I, I brought up before, right? So confidential transactions was invented by you know Bitcoiners, um, Adam Back and, and and others, right? And so, but they they never implemented it. Um, and then additionally, if you look at the you know go back in the Bitcoin history, look at the Bitcoin forums, you'll see Satoshi Nakamoto himself talking about maybe not using the words, but describing stealth addresses. He, 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 he uh, describes the technical nature of what a stealth address would be. He also describes ring signatures, and he describes how these technologies could be used if implemented in Bitcoin to essentially obscure the sender and receiver and obfuscate transactions. So this all was stated before Monero was quote unquote invented. Uh, and so there's, you know, there's theories that maybe some of the same people that were involved in, in Bitcoin, what, who, whether it was Satoshi or the Satoshi group were also then involved in Monero. Um, theories uh but it's nonetheless it's, it's just interesting that it has a, a similar cypherpunk story yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting that um you know it was just bitcoin for so long but but now that the concept has taken like a firmer root in the culture there's so many new innovations that are that are coming off of that and just giving root to so many other good ideas and and some some bad ones too that we'll get to also but you know yeah, we should say still. too monero is one of the oldest you know older cryptos right it's not like uh it was just invented a, a couple of years you know it's been around for a while now right we, we have the birthday it was what the ninth it was the ninth birthday right yeah it was the ninth, yeah, ninth birthday. birthday so monero's oh, yeah not yeah that's still uh monero's been around, around for a while it's been around for a very long time, and so it, it really does share a lot of those that same origin story of Bitcoin. And as I'm sure your your listeners are are cognizant of, it's that's that's one of the hardest things to kind of repeat, right? The way Bitcoin started and the way Monero started. There's really no others that will be able to do that because the cat's already out of the bag. So it's really difficult for somebody to come about and, ha and naturally start something organically where initially it's literally just adopted by those who believe in it, right? Those, the, 
the the nerds that just want to run it on their computer, not because they think it might be worth more tomorrow, which is what every crypto out there this day is really running on. But like when Bitcoin initially started, it was just it was just people that were passionate about the concept, right? Hey, I'm running a node. You're running a node. Let's test this thing out. And so and may, maybe it will gain value one day. You're never going to be able to repeat that that sentiment uh, just because the cat's already out of the bag. So Monero right. shares that because uh, it had the started in the early days and it was really started by people who believed in a in a in a technology more than anything else. Yeah, that is important to point out because some people may not be aware how long this has been going on. They only started hearing about it in the past few years and have no idea how much of a history there is behind it. Mm-hmm. I think Sunita is going to slip away because uh, she's got a lot. Of <laughs> she's got a lot on her plate. All right. Well, thanks for stopping in, Sunita. Before she walks away. Uh, yeah. So, uh, why don't we can go into uh the Monero uh, Topia event. Um, if you want to talk about that a little bit um, before you go. Uh, so you have it coming up in a couple of days. Just tell us, you know, how, how it came about, uh, some of the activities that people can look forward to in this coming one, you know, expected attendance, what type of people you get out there, you know, whatever you want to talk about with it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh this is our second conference uh, last year, like he was discussing before, uh, was in Miami. This year, it's going to be in Mexico City uh, from March, March, wow, May 5th to the 7th. Um, three days full of awesome content, awesome speakers. We're going to have, um, again, he was discussing before, lots of privacy projects, um, Monero devs. We're going to have actual workshops um, that range from like noob, like uh, Monero 101, like if you're still new to it and want to learn like what it's about, um, to I guess uh, yeah, more to, advanced yeah, more advanced workshops. Running, uh, running a full node, yeah, mining full Monero. Um, what else? Oh, we have yeah. the 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 Pacha Bazaar. Yeah, so. we have a, a yeah Monero uh, accepting bazaar that's uh, going to be present throughout the conference. Uh, we're actually going to be speaking to them tomorrow um, with the vendors to teach them about Monero, to download the wallet, um, show them how to accept Monero, because we're going to have a lot of, you know, Monero people hanging around there, obviously. And they'll be able to purchase, you know, from like keychains to like Alchemist or something like that. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, what else? We're going to have performer performances. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have DJs uh, throughout the entire day. We're going to have a special VIP dinner party on saturday with all the speakers and a lot of attendees that purchased their vip tickets uh what else it's just jam-packed fun we're gonna have actually probably most your audience might be most interested in because it's a little late for them to probably buy a ticket to go down to mexico city we're gonna have a virtual conference as well so if anybody wants to participate in that and we may uh liberty is a discount code that people can use to get i think 20 percent 20 percent off so we yep. were using that when we went to the business caucus events as well so that that's okay. the, so if somebody wants to use that it's you know go to monerotopia.com you can purchase a virtual conference ticket it's going to be three days of, of content and uh yeah if you put in the words live type in liberty you get 20 percent off but overall the, the real like the whole, the whole thing what it's about is getting people together that are passionate about digital cash, right? So what we're talking, what we've been talking about here today, you asked me before, what is the elevator? You know, what is Monero? 
that's really in my mind what it is. It's it's a utility for digital cash like payments. And I think when you say that, people are like, well, isn't that just like any other crypto? No, it has the word uh-huh. cash in it, right? And and cash means that it's by its na- nature untraceable and private. Uh, people take that for granted. They don't they don't necessarily realize that. But when you transact right. cash, you're not broadcasting your transaction. And so what you know what the cypherpunk saw years ago many years ago before before bitcoin was invented was that we were going to live in a digital society a digital world uh and pretty much all all our transactions were going to be taking place online this was in the early days of the you know of the internet this was already realized and that we were going to need some kind of way to transact in a cash-like manner, if we want free and open societies to continue to remain in this in this digital realm, and so Bitcoin was the first attempt at that. Notion white paper, it's you know it's titled a, a digital cash peer-to-peer digital cash system. Monero followed up, solving some of those issues, making it more cash-like, and so Monero Topia is really about getting everybody that's passionate about this concept, and not just the tech but the implications right so the fact that there is this utility that lets people send value to each other whether it's a dollar a million dollars or a billion dollars for a fraction of a penny without being traced and you know it's it's a big concept it's it's actually scary in some ways we could get into that but everybody that's at monerotopia thinks that ultimately if the if the world adopts utility like that that will the liberty index will go up and we'll be better off as, as, a, as a society. And so the people that are there, we invited people beyond just Monero. So we have like other digital cash projects that are participating um, because we want them involved as well, right? We want them to be a part of this. So that's, re- that's really the, the whole gist. Join us, Monero Top. <laughs> All right. So- so uh, what's where's the link that people can find that at again? Uh, Monerotopia.com. All right, perfect. So uh, I will I'll see if I can add that in somewhere here. Uh, so Monerotopia.com. Uh, I'll throw that in the notes once we're done here. All right. Uh, yeah, if you have to... If you have to go now, uh, Sunita, then I'll, I'll just say goodbye to you. Uh, now. All right. Well, thank you for having on. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So uh, now that we've talked a little bit about Monerotopia, I want to talk uh, a bit about the um, podcasts uh, or podcasts that you're doing and uh, how that how exactly that came about and uh, what kind of topics uh, you talk about on your show. Yeah. So I started the podcast out of an interest in Monero, right? So I was studying it every day, studying Bitcoin. And then, like I said, I I found my way to Monero. I was studying Monero and I I just, I, I realized that the best way for me to access information would be if I just started a podcast, because then that would give me access to the people behind the project, the people that are working on and building the project. So that's that was really the impetus behind starting that podcast. 
and it's worked out quite well to the point where now I'm throwing a conference and I, and I get all those people to come to attend the conference and present on it. So it's, it's like my dream come true. This has all been a pursuit of knowledge for me. Uh, and so the podcast was just the best way for me to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of people, uh, when they start a show kind of like this, they don't they don't necessarily know a whole lot about the subject area that they're talking about. They at least at the beginning, they're just describe they they just want to talk about something that they're interested in. But in the process of doing it, you just learn so much by talking to people who know so much more than you do. And it, no, it not only does it help the listeners, but it helps yourself along the way. Yeah, and it gives you access, right? Like I was able to talk to you know the, the devs of the Monero project, where you, if, if I want, if I was trying to reach them, just as you know, some Joe Schmo with the question. I'm not saying they wouldn't respond, but inviting them on the podcast, it really, it really gave me this platform for access. So that that that's the show, and really, that really is who we have. So Monero talk really is focused on Monero. I mean, we have. I've had a lot of BTC Maxis on there, well-known people in the Bitcoin community as well, de famous devs from the Bitcoin community. Even like Peter Todd, for example, he'll be at Monero Topia. I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Todd. Uh, I'm not. He's he's kind of a, a Bitcoin OG, one one of the one of the devs from from back in the day. So he'll be at Monero Topia. But just an example of somebody I have had on the show and and many others. But for yeah, it's really mostly Monero devs. Bitcoin people, and then, you know, Liberty, right? So Liberty is very much tied into this for me. This is why I'm so passionate about digital cash, right? Uh, I think, mm -hmm. you know, digital cash, like I was saying before, is a utility for providing Liberty uh, in digital form. And so I, I, I interview a lot of people in, in that realm as well, right? So people from actually from the Mises Caucus, I you know I've spoken to people from there. We've gone to obviously, right? That's why I met you at one of these events, but I've been to a lot of other events, and it's really out of that that liberty passion that I do that. And so I bring people in on the Monero Talk Show to talk kind of big picture, like the philosophy, like why why is this stuff even important to begin with? Why should we care? Yeah. So that, yeah, that's another interesting point. So. Uh... Would you describe yourself as a libertarian? Uh, yeah, I would. I actually I ran for con for U.S. Congress in New York. In oh, under the uh, LP ticket? No, as a Republican. Okay, okay. This was in 2020. Oh, that's that's interesting. Uh, so that that must have been hard in the middle of the uh, pandemic and everything. Well, it was wild. Must have been really hard to do much of anything for a campaign. It was wild, but we we actually did very well. We ran in a primarily Democratic district, which is why I got the backing of the Republican Party because they they thought I was you know a sacrificial lamb, right? So they were like, "Oh, let's, let's let Tuman do it." Uh, there's no way he's gonna win anyway, even though he's got these crazy like libertarian uh, ideas. And so so they they let me run and they they backed me and we did very well. Um, we got like I think forty four percent. Oh, uh, and then actually, if I would have kept on running, I probably would have won in 2022 because now that seat has flipped Republican for the first time in a very long time. This is out on Long Island in Nassau County, right outside of on the border of you know New York City of Queens. It's the next mm -hmm. district over. And so, your question was: Am I a libertarian? I would say yeah. If there's any party that I'm a that philosophically i align with it's 
the libertarian party. Yeah. I ran as a Republican. I'm I I associated very closely with the Republican Party for uh you know where where I where I live and where I where I work. Uh but my ideology very much aligns with the libertarian. Okay. Maybe so, maybe even border borderline anarchism or minarchism. Right. Gotcha. So the reason I ask is were you a you know minarchist libertarian let's say um before you got you know you learned about monero or did you know as you learned about monero you started to lean more in that direction uh i don't think it's i started to lean more i think i've always been that okay just i've never stopped to study libertarianism um Mm -hmm. you know i was a good student in high school you know i I was a good getting history and whatnot but I, I never i never uh like really pursued it outside of outside of class i was never that much into the political scene mostly because of my my true nature right so i was i was fed up with po- i was always politics as a complete scam i always saw government as this corrupt scam so i never stopped to to really get involved with it and to study it on a philosophical level uh but i yeah libertarianism i found i found my way there i would say not through monero uh but because of monero uh you know it it definitely led me further down the road it led me into these other networks of people that i realized wait these are the people that share share my share my political thoughts i just kind of never realized this is where where they're all hanging out i unfortunately like i wasn't part of the ron paul campaign i missed it i somehow kind of missed out on that in my life i was doing other other things at that point i was working on a project called gov together just a passionate little startup at the time it was right after law school or i think i was even doing it during law school and that was an effort to create a system uh kind of like a a direct democracy system where i'd get a local representative to pledge to use this system and vote in accordance with how the people would be polling online oh that's interesting i actively tried to get a congressman to pledge to adopt this and that he would then vote in congress in accordance with how his constituents are polling or he would at least use it as his main metric for deciding how he then goes votes and when i ran for congress you know many years later uh, that was part of my platform. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so that that's what I was working on. You know, when I was kind of not not going down the libertarian rabbit hole, I was doing my own little, my own little experimenting with government, and I think that's how I ended up missing on the whole Ron Paul thing. But uh, yeah, I've I've always been in that realm. You know, just maybe in coming at it from a different angle. Yeah, that's that's an interesting angle because um, that that that's one thing that I've been wondering about myself like the um well like the i'm trying to remember what the actual terms are i know i'm going to mess it up now but the uh the caretaker model of representation versus like the constituent model those probably aren't the right terms but the difference was you were electing someone who and you essentially trusting them to make the decisions versus electing someone who's just kind of like you know the shadow and you you know they're only conveying the voices of their district and that's it. They don't make decisions based on their own values. And the second one never seems to happen. It's always, it's always the first. And, you know, I, while 
there's, you know, there's good reason to be skeptical of direct democracy. There is something to be said for the fact that it seems like no matter what we do in terms of electing a uh, House representative or a or for on the federal level or a senator, for instance, um, even though most people are generally anti-war, somehow we always end up in all the wars you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, so that's obviously that's you know the the founding fathers, right? The the Federalist Papers, right? Talks about all this, right? So there's this idea, like, right, that you 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 maybe maybe you don't want the mob to basically decide the direction of government. And I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Uh, but you know, my thinking with Come Together and when I ran for Congress, and my pledge and my pitch to my constituents was, I'm going to implement this system where every every registered voter whether you're a democrat or republican or a libertarian or unaffiliated anybody who's a constituent in my district registered to vote uh would be a part of this system and i'd pull them on every single vote in congress and then my pledge was i would i wouldn't necessarily vote exactly as what they tell me to vote but i would use that to help make my decision okay Usually i do think I do, I do believe in the concept of representative democracy, and I do think you need to protect minority opinions, right? So I, I think that's a real fear. You don't want, you don't want mob rule. Uh, you want somebody at the helm who is going to take into account what the majority wants. But if it's something that's going to hurt a minority, then you need somebody who's conscious of that and able to, to overcome that. Yeah. All right, I, I agree with you there. Uh, so uh, I do want to go to the next question. I got a few more uh, good ones that uh, I know that uh, people are going to want to know about. For instance, uh, you know, let's say every, let's say that uh, someone has listened this far and they agree with just about everything you've said about you know conceptually. Yeah, Monero sounds like a good thing, but. Uh, where is it used today? Like, can you give us some examples of that? Like, uh, what are the main use, uses or what do people anticipate using it for in the future? Yeah, I would say Monero is one of the most actually used cryptos in that it's used beyond mm -hmm. speculation, right? So the vast majority of Bitcoin use is speculation, right? Most people are buying their Bitcoin as an investment kind of as, you know, as a digital gold with the hope that it'll be worth more tomorrow or they just want to flip it, whatever it is. Monero, most people that get it are for purposes of using it beyond speculation. They want they want a tool that will allow them to transact privately and anonymously online. They're not getting Bitcoin for that. In the early days of Bitcoin, they were, right? Which is what got me interested in Monero. They were doing that. That was... the that's what people thought it was meant to be. Uh, but, you know, we know what happened with Silk Road, right? That didn't work out too oh, well. Yeah. Part of that was because of the traceability of Bitcoin, right? I mean, you know, that, and then we've, we've seen that play out in qu quite a few times now with Bitcoin, uh, that it's failed as cash, as digital cash. So I'd say, where is Monero being used? It's being used on the dark markets, right? So they're, you know, might be controversial, but uh, uh, I'm sure not controversial among this crowd. I, I would, I would, <laughs> um, you know, uh, free market, right? 
uh, especially if you're, if you're, if you're an agorist, right. That you, you believe in open free, free markets, you need, uh-huh. you need a digital cash tool to allow those to exist online. Otherwise they can't exist. And so Monero is used in that instance. Um, it's becoming the most used crypto. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. For those purposes, things like ransomware, right? So ransomware, the hackers, they ask for they ask for Bitcoin or they give a 25, 20% discount if they pay in Monero. Um, so these, these are some of the immediate uses. And then so then you also have beyond that people that are using it for digital cash purposes, but not on the dark market, not for ransomware. And that's the bigger picture, right? But with, with all great technologies, like with the internet itself, it starts in these niche communities of people that really have a real need, right? Whether that you ethically agree with that need, they have that need and they're willing to jump through hoops for it. Like, oh, I, I want to go buy drugs on the dark market. I don't want to go to jail. I'm going to figure out how to get myself some Monero and go use it. But the hope is that we get beyond that uh, initial phase and it goes mainstream. So we are already seeing beyond that, you know, people that are now people like me that I, I use it. I use it in my day to day. You know, I use it to run my business, my Monero talk and Monerotopia business. I love being able to send people Monero. We have people helping us out with the conference. We have this, this woman who's designing our badges for the conference. She's making them clay medallion. She's she needed a down payment. I could have my my first option was going through the traditional banking system. It would have just been a real pain in the ass, and I would have to go through a whole KYC. She wanted me to use this other like software like system that interacts with the banking system that is super cheap to send, but you know, they needed like my passport and all this KYC information. I take a picture of myself Jeez. or I could just send her, send her some Monero, you know, and it costs a third of a cent and nobody knows I, I sent it. Right. And it's, it's like, if I took, you know, a thousand bucks out of my pocket and gave it to her. So that, that digital cash need uh, is growing beyond the dark markets. And we're seeing it, <clears throat> we're seeing grown adoption. Um, Cake Wallet is the main wallet that's used in Monero. It's the one that we always promote because we, we think it's it's a great project. And in the Cake Wallet, they've built a gift card system. So you could buy gift cards anonymously with Monero. So you could purchase pretty much anything you want. You're going to buy an Amazon gift card anonymously with Monero and then go on Amazon and use it. Obviously, this is the most ideal way to use Monero, right? We want peer-to-peer connections, but just another example. I run another company that's called Gratuitous. We sell coffee for Monero, just another example. And the bigger vision with that is to add other products direct from farm products uh, that you can buy with Monero. So it's growing. There's a, a good website called Monero Dance and actually Monerica. Both of those are really good resources. And they show a list of all the different websites and projects that are accepting Monero where you can use your Monero. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I think that one thing that some people will be thinking in the back of their minds is, uh, let's say I acquire, you know, or I have $500 or, you know, some lower amount, if 
that that high amounts to makes it too complicated. But let's just say I have five hundred dollars and I put it in Monero. Um, you know, most people will know at least. You know, they'll be familiar with the large price fluctuations of Bitcoin and you know how it. There's been so many wild swings over a period of like six months to a year, every given year. So, you know, how is the price stability? So, like, if I put five hundred dollars in there, is it going to be worth four hundred dollars tomorrow? Like, how how does it work in that sense? Yeah, it's a good question. So that's a, that's a big problem in crypto in general. Uh, and obviously, the argument is the bigger these the market caps get the less volatile they'll become. But also the volatility is is a product of speculation, right? That's where a lot of the volatility comes from. And like I was saying before, Monero is, is, isn't really used to speculate nearly as much as Bitcoin. Granted, people do. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's people that are buying it for, for those purposes. Uh, but really, its core value is in its utility as digital cash. So that gives it a nice base layer utility. And because of that, I believe, I mean, this is my hypothesis, is that it, it adds more stability to it. And if you look at Monero, uh, you could pull up a chart. You'll see it's quite stable compared to uh, a lot of other cryptos. Uh, does it, you know, Bitcoin goes up or goes down, every other coin follows it because of the way they're all tied in on, on you know through exchanges, right? So by their nature, they're valued in, in Bitcoin. So they're gonna they're gonna go they're gonna go up and down. Uh, but Monero, uh, more so than I'd say any other crypto, is really kind of leaning towards being untethered from Bitcoin. Don't get me wrong, it still is. Every crypto is, but I think Monero does the best job at having kind of its own utility. And because of that, it's not as volatile. So if you bought it today, could it could it dump tomorrow? Yeah, sure, it could. I mean, all this would all these, but it's it's less than some many of the other cryptos, less volatile. All right. So uh how does someone obtain Monero? The best way to obtain it is with cash, right? That is the most ideal way to get your Monero. It's like it's like that would be like kind of probably the best way to get your gold, right? Uh, so the best way to get it, or maybe you get it with gold, right? So lo- local Monero is a good website for that. It's a good platform, and that's a peer-to-peer trading system. So you could find people that are willing to s- sell you Monero directly for cash, or even like through things like Venmo or. Uh, you know, uh, even cash by mail um, and, and other means, whatever means they want to use to sell it. But it puts you in touch directly with somebody who has Monero that's looking to sell it with somebody that wants to buy it. So you're not, it's not an exchange. It's a peer-to-peer system that puts, to get, puts uh, buyers and sellers together. And it's a great way to do it without, essentially without KYC, right? Without know your, know your customer rules um, because you just, find another person that's willing to they're willing to sell you their arrow and just take cash for it so that's that's probably the best way uh easier arguably easier although that's that is pretty easy i think people get a little scared off but if you went through the process and want it's actually quite easy uh i think people get turned off because they think it means i got to show up with a suitcase of cash somewhere and meet somebody but that that's not the case i mean you could you could send money into their bank account it has a whole escrow system built into it so it's not like you give somebody you know 10 grand and then you hope and wish that they might give you the monero there's an escrow built into it so their monero 
the Monero gets locked up and that doesn't get released to you unless you unless you pay. Um, but beyond that, beyond local Monero, there's the traditional ways like that are done in you know in most other cryptos exchanges, right? Centralized exchanges. Uh, it's not listed on a lot of exchanges. Why? That's a good question. You know, anybody who's listening should wonder why. Why is Monero one of cryptos not listed on a lot of exchanges? It's because the exchanges don't want to take risk. You know, they're they're worried about uh, regulators, right? They're worried that you know the government doesn't like the fact that they're they're dealing in this untraceable currency and they're giving people access to this. So some exchanges don't don't want to deal with it. They rather just make money, right? Uh, but exchanges that actually have values that actually are tied into the cypherpunk ethos, the libertarian ethos, they have Monero for so Kraken, Kraken, um, Kraken. Uh, is a good way to get Monero directly with your bank account. It's a big exchange. Uh, and then there's other means too. There's decentralized exchanges where you could trade other 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 cryptos for Monero without KYC. And uh, yeah, there's other like instant exchanges where you can get Monero uh, with crypto directly without KYC. Yeah, and one thing I encountered while I was uh, doing some research was that it, um, I don't know if it's Monero specifically or uh, privacy coins is that they're actually banned in a lot of countries, like um, European countries in particular. I think seem to be most uh, yeah. most guilty of that. So what's what's the deal with that? Uh, yeah, well, Monero. <laughs> yeah, Monero is banned in South Korea, in Japan. Um, just recently it was banned in Dubai, right? This like financial capital, right? Where people go like, it, it's like, I don't know when I think Dubai, I think, I think cash, right? I think the free flow of money. I think people being able to use their money freely as they wish. And here they are banning a tool that does that better than anything we've had in, in the history of man, a way to do it in digital form, just zap people get, and they're banning it in, in Dubai. It makes it makes you question what, what that whole scam is about over there in Dubai. Um, and Europe, Europe, not yet. You know, there, there's talk, there's talk that they're going to be implementing legislation that could effectively ban privacy coins. But yeah, a lot, a lot of countries are worried about it. And it's really, you know, it comes down to a few guys in a room, right? The, some, some, these, these large, these very influential groups that create, that suggest regulations that then somehow get a, end up getting implemented by all the world's largest governments, and so we're seeing that happen. So, uh, the financial action task force or FAFA, I think, is 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 one of them. Um, so, you know, they're coming up with these, these regulations or suggested regulations, and now we're starting to see countries adopt them. Uh, what is their reasoning? Their reasoning is they're concerned about the funding of terrorism and they're concerned about money laundering, right, is really what it comes down to. What are they really concerned about? They're really concerned about, you know, that they won't be e a as easily able to tax it, right? That, that's, their, that's their concern, that there might be this tool that's going to take some power away from governments and make it where governments are going to have to, you know, ask you for your taxes automated through like a CBDC, right? If something like Monero exists, it may not be as 
easy for them to take that pound of flesh for, for, from you in an automated way. So governments are very fearful of that. But they disguise it in being concerned about the funding of terrorism and money laundering. And it gives the government blanket authority to basically implement very, uh, you know, str stringent stringent rules that effectively could could ban something like the NFL. Yeah, I I was actually going to get to uh, central bank uh, digital currencies, the CBDCs next. So that is a that is a really uh, good point that I want to dig into more. So uh what's what's coming down the pipe with uh cbdc's and how can monero help with that i think monero helps with that by kind of being the polar opposite of a cbdc so it's it's the tool that governments won't be able to track and trace cbdc's are the two are are what governments are building with the hope that they'll be able to perfectly surveil everybody's transactions and so what's going on with that is similar to the regulation, growing regulation that we're seeing against Monero. We're also in tandem seeing the, the growing development of CBDCs. They're already being tested in a lot of countries. In some countries, they're already live. I think uh, Nigeria is one of them, right? People are like, oh, but it's failing there. It's not really gaining adoption. Eh. Yeah, I mean, it, it give them some time, right? Once governments have this have this tradition of slowly implementing things and slowly turning the heat up like boiling a frog, and next thing you know, all of society is basically using it by way of mandate, right? Because, oh, we, you know, you get, uh, if you pay your taxes with the CBDC, you'll get another, whatever, 10% off your, off your taxes, all right? So who's not going to... Uh -huh. Who's not going to pay use a CBDC at that point to pay their taxes? Like, sign me up. I I, I love free money. Or you know, when the when the next bailout comes to, to you know the next the next check that gets sent by the government, uh, stimulus check. Maybe you know maybe you get it faster if you're willing to accept it by CBDC, or maybe you get more more if you accept by CBDC. So CBDCs are well on their way. They're 100% going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of when. They're already happening. Uh, it's just a matter of how, at the point it really enters our lives where we all find ourselves using it. And Monero is the antidote to that. It's this other thing that lives outside of government control that's going to allow us to opt out and use cash. Because with the CBDC, it, it's... You know, as we're moving towards that CBDC world, we're also moving towards a world where cash, physical cash, will no longer exist. And so we're going to need a replacement for that. We're going to be need a utility that replaces that. And that's where Monero comes in. And that's so that's why it's going to be the antidote to a CBDC, allowing people to still transact, but outside of the surveillance of government. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's it's definitely important that we incorporate that into um, our messaging going forward. Because um, as one thing I didn't touch on um, earlier, um, I'll I'll ask this before I get into my uh, the key question I want to bring up. So, um, how did you find out about the 
uh, Libertarian Party and the Mises Caucus. Um, was that your first exposure there? I mean, you said you talked to some Mises Caucus people before on your show, but what was your first exposure? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what my first... <laughs> I mean, I've gone to Porkfest a couple of times, so that kind of like started leading... But Mises itself? Uh, well, or, or the, the, the Mises Caucus specifically. The Mises Caucus? Well, we went to... Uh, I guess was it two years ago now when the Mises Caucus took over the the uh... oh you were in Reno yeah we were in Reno yeah oh, we... I, I didn't even see you there yeah oh. we were there so that's kind of when we like I had heard about the Mises Caucus before that because you know I'm into crypto right so I saw that you know on Twitter like these are the these are the people that are supporting Bitcoin so I would try to reach out to them be like hey by the way uh, you might be interested in this Monero thing. Given, given everything you stand for and what, what you believe in, like you might really like this tool. Uh, so I, I found them kind of through my research of trying to figure out who in the Libertarian Party would be interested in Monero. I mean, that's what's always kind of, kind of like shocked me about the Libertarian Party is that more people there aren't already into Monero. But I think it's just a, a matter of them not finding their way there yet. Because when I, when I hear about what you know the things that matter to them what they talk about i hear monero right mm -hmm. um, you know your average libertarian understands the importance of sound money they're into gold right yeah uh, bitcoin digital gold right i know there's i know there's like a faction in the libertarian party that's like into gold but not into bitcoin right they don't they they see yeah it. but there's uh like a what what it's not quite it's not i would civil war is taking a little far but there's definitely like the competing factions of like the gold maximalists and the bitcoin maximalists in the libertarian sphere um i haven't heard as many people in our circles talk about um monero it's right but um, that's what discussed as much yeah but, but that's what i'm getting at though because i th mm -hmm. think if you kind of did a venn diagram like i understand the libertarians that are old school that that are like no gold is gold Digital gold, not really buying it. But the cash thing, right? Every ask those same libertarians, and this is what I do when I go to the events. I'm like, well, how about cash? Do you use cash? They're like, yeah, sure, I use cash. Do you know that they're, you know, do they they're trying to eliminate? Yes, I know they're trying to eliminate cash. So do you think we need a utility, something that can replace cash in digital form? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we do. You know? So I think that's where kind of Monero comes in and why. I think I think we're I think we're already starting to see it. I mean, I'm I'm here on I'm on your show today, right? And I was invited to the Mises Club. I think we're starting to see it grow in the general libertarian circles. Definitely in the Mises. Right. Yeah, and that gets to that gets to this question that I wanted to ask. So uh, we have uh, we as the Mises Caucus have a three pronged strategy for our uh, political action that we try to strive for. So. Um, organizing inside the party, bringing in more members, uh, you know, running candidates for particularly local offices, and then um, single issue coalitions, things like uh, we've, we've had some success with working to uh, decriminalize shrooms, for example, Denver was a success. It was one of the first successes we've had with that. And there've been some others as well. Um, so I think, the last two prongs certainly apply uh, to this issue. So um, looking at candidates, for example, 
there's certain initiatives which on the surface, like the anti-war issue, uh, seem like it's impossible to tackle when you're not at the federal level, right? But there are ways of tackling it from the state level is we have, um, are you familiar with Defend the Guard legislation? No, I don't think so. Okay, so Maybe Defend the Guard is the is a bill that has been circulated in multiple uh, states. It basically says um, the National Guard, which is a component of every single state's, uh, you know, it's it has its own branches within each state, and they're supposed to be controlled by the governors, by the states themselves. But it it's essentially been even though it's not supposed to be this way, it's been de facto um, nationalized by the, the federal government and deployed all over the world, even in you know the Middle East. Uh, they just use it as kind of a supplement for the army, mm-hmm. but the power still lies in the state government. So the bill passes through you know state houses, state senates, um, and if the governor signs it into law, then it forbids the that state's National Guard from being deployed anywhere outside their state without a presidential declaration of war. So you're essentially handicapping the federal government's ability to deploy troops anywhere else, at least the national the National Guard troops of that state without such a declaration, which we know isn't going to happen. So it essentially means that, you know, it, it can't be done at that point. And that's it's a it's a big blow to them that we don't have to do at the federal level. So with that said, you know, seeing as we have even already, you know, libertarians in local offices uh, and we're you know, we we have been running people in state house elections as well. We don't need to have people in the state house to still make, make the push um, to get that kind of legislation in the chamber. Like we've been able to do it even without that. But with all that said, you know, what kind of legislation could be passed at the state or local level or any other sort of initiative that would help pursue uh, monetary freedom? and you know, have less restrictions on cryptocurrency. I think the biggest thing is treating it, letting it compete fairly and treating it like money and create some, the most radical legislation is allow people to use whatever they want to use as their money, right? Shouldn't it be meant yeah. that we have to use the dollar. Uh, and essentially that's what it is, right? So if I, if I use Monero, uh, in you know in new york or anywhere in the united states technically it's a it's a capital gains event every time i go to i go to spend that monero uh which doesn't really make it very uh user friendly as a as a as a currency right so if i buy monero today at a hundred dollars and then tomorrow i go buy an an apple with it and at that time monero is worth 125 dollars uh, I pay a dollar for my Apple, but then I have to pay a capital gains tax because, <laughs> because I, you yeah, know, and uh, that's just that's just absurd. So let's let let the best technology for money purposes win. Uh, and I think the Ameri- you know, the U.S. government, in theory, should be completely behind that initiative, right? Uh, right. How that doesn't align 
with any of the values that this country was founded upon. Yes. Something else that occurred to me, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, is I believe that maybe two states have passed gold as legal tender laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. So similar concept. Right. So is has there been something that's been considered like that for any sort of cryptocurrency? Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's being considered and I, I don't follow too close. Obviously, people are talking about it in terms of Bitcoin, I'm sure. I don't know what the deal is in Wyoming. I think they're working on something. I know they're working on like trying to get maybe get like a de minimis thing passed first. So like small amounts of crypto wouldn't be considered a tax capital gains taxable event. I know Coin Center has been actively working on that for a long time. Coin Center is like a you know crypto lobby group, so they're trying to get uh, the legislators to push that. So I think that's maybe the first form that we would see on a on a national level, and then states as well to all accept that. So for de minimis payments, you know, if, if like I said, in this case where you're buying an Apple, you don't have to go look and assess like did you. You know, was your Monero worth more the day you bought it than what you used to, to buy an Apple? But then I guess maybe over whatever $1,000 worth, if you're making transactions that amount, then capital gains would still exist. So definitely people are working on it. I definitely think it's a direction. I do think it's going to happen in the United States. But I think ultimately, libertarians should be pushing for, let's treat crypto, uh, you know, like like any you know like the u.s dollar in terms of in terms of its its moneyness let let people choose what they want to use as their legal as their tender yeah well the libertarian community over here in the party and certainly in the uh caucus uh definitely supports uh the adoption of well at least increased use of cryptocurrency like when you when you talk about adoption um is in terms of making a legal tender, that probably solved most of the immediate problems. And there, I'm sure there's ways of incorporating that at the state level. Because uh, going back to defend the guard for a minute, we do have every time it is uh, getting close to being uh, passed, like if, when a state house is voting on it, for instance, um, there's call banking efforts that are organized in order to you know call the representatives in question and help move that forward so when it does come time to you know push that kind of thing forward and if not sooner that's certainly the kind of thing that the party and the caucus would be interested in so if there's anything uh coming down the pipe that we should know about definitely keep us informed is that i know that our our people want to know yeah i mean i would say overall it's not about more legislation it's about getting rid of legislation right it's, it's about getting rid of the rules is, is right. really what we need to do uh, you know the, the other thing is like we were talking about the potential banning of something like monero right so we need we need a way of preventing that um i guess that's just a matter of preventing political factions from trying to implement that because that that you know ratchet effect that'd be horrible if, if we start to see that because uh, it's going to be very hard, hard to undo it uh, we saw we we seen local like here in New York State governments coming after proof of work right proof of work mining so that's another hot topic uh, that I'm sure the Libertarian Party would fall along the lines of why are we treating this technology different than any other why are we out here regulating the amount of power that can be used for 
cryptocurrency. We don't care the amount of power that's used for our computers right now or on the internet. We're not gauging it and saying you only get so much, you know, you're only allowed to play your video game for so much. Uh, but for some reason, we're treating cryptocurrency different, right? Where we're we're saying, oh, we, you know, there's, we, we only want so much energy to put towards that technology. Uh, I'm sure most libertarians would agree that we would want the free market to decide how people are allocating uh, their energy. Yeah, well, it, it it goes both ways in terms of the, uh, you know, if there's, you know, it if you can even say like good regulation in terms of like at least handicapping what the government can do or if something comes down the pipe as even as extreme as you know some sort of form of a, a cryptocurrency ban either way that is something that the caucus would take action around in terms of making calls to representatives to you know adv advance or kill it whatever whatever the case needs to be um mm -hmm. so well we can definitely uh talk about that more later on um the other thing I would say too is, uh, and this isn't directly crypto, but well, like we were saying before, CBDCs. So mm -hmm. cognizant of that, trying to slow down the adoption of that, or making sure that basic privacies are, are implemented if adopted. Um, and then yeah. the other thing is ca the elimination of cash, trying to prevent the elimination of cash, right? But yeah. me personally, like, so this is why you know I'm, I'm really a cypherpunk more than anything else, right? So for me, it's not about Leading with the government and hoping that certain things don't happen or certain actions don't take place. Yes, I ran for Congress because uh, I, you know, I, I understand that we kind of have to work from both ends. But ultimately, what I see as winning is the cypherpunk approach and building a tool like Bitcoin and more so like Monero that does these things in a way where governments can't stop them, can't surveil them can have an effect on them so building a tool that doesn't need the permission of government it just ex exists and people can opt in and use it as they wish and governments it's outside of the realm of their their control they don't have the ability to stop people from using it and that really comes from the tech and from people adopting the tech not from hoping that governments don't pass any you know mean legislation it's just like governments do whatever they want we're going to use the tool that they can't mess with all right. So uh, with that said, um, I'll bring it home and say, uh, what is next for you? And uh, what do you think the future of Monero is? Well, next for me is Monerotopia. That's a couple of days away. So that is that is very much on my mind. Uh, fingers crossed that will be as good as we hope. And I, I think it will. Um, and next for Monero... Uh, well, there's there's Monero Con after Monerotopia. That's going to be in Europe. I'll be going to that as well. Uh, but next for Monero, Monero is just a slow and steady churning digital cash open source system. So Monero slowly evolves. Uh, there's there, but it does evolve. So unlike, arguably unlike Bitcoin, because Bitcoin doesn't really evolve much. They kind of pride themselves in being ossified, right? They're like, oh, it. We don't want it to ever change. Bitcoin, uh, Monero does change and slowly changes over time, but it's always towards making it more digital cash-like and less susceptible to being co-opted by governments. So I could get into specifics with what's, up, what's coming down the pipe for Monero, but uh, I, I'll just say, so there's this technology called Seraphis, 
which Monero is likely going to adopt. And that's going to be a big technological implementation. It's going to essentially make Monero arguably even more private and untraceable. And there's always little little tweaks and things that are being done on the network level, all different components of Monero that are always being worked on for, like I said, to make it more cash-like and to make it more unstoppable. So no government or corporation can surveil it or censor it or easily confiscate it. All right. So I'll definitely encourage people to check out uh, Monero Talk for um, all the information on Monero that you could want. Uh, their shows going back uh, many years, as we talked about, uh, covering you know everything related to Monero and, and lots of their interviews with uh, with really interesting guests, uh, current events, and uh, Monero birthday celebrations. And uh, don't forget to look into Monerotopia as well, like they're saying. But um, any other uh, plugs or places where people can uh, follow you that you want to get out there. I'm at Douglas Tuman on Twitter and the website and the Twitter is Monerotopia. It's Monerotopia.com. Okay. And the YouTube show we do is the YouTube show is Monero talk. That's where we post all. Okay. So it's at Monerotopia. You said Monerotopia. Yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Douglas, and thanks again, Sunita, for joining us tonight uh, on a special Monday night edition of Take Human Action PA. And we will have to we'll have to talk more soon. This was a good conversation. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm, I'm sure I'll see you around in the, in the Libertarian circuit. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm not too far away from uh, from New York City myself. I'm. Uh, not too far from Trenton, so I'm about as I'm about as close to you as a PA guy would be. Yeah, please, uh, if you remember, try to keep me in the loop. If there's any events or anything you think that uh, I should be made aware of, uh, I, lo- I love going to the Libertarian events, probably for all the same reasons you do. I just love hanging out with people, and having conversations. It's like so many super intelligent people that are are really passionate about. Of the philosophies behind why liberty is important and it's it's always a fun yeah hanging out with those folks well we don't have a date yet but uh we spent a lot of time talking about it on this show coming up this summer uh in philadelphia a good chance to give it a shout out um we're going to be having a introduction to liberty class at the solutionary center of maj Ture, if you're familiar with him yeah he was at the yeah yeah he was speaking at the event so um if, if, even if you hadn't known him before, then uh, I guess you would have seen him there. But yeah, so he has this Solutionary Community Center in Philadelphia, and we're going to be teaching a class out of there, uh, primarily sponsored by the Mises Caucus, but a, a bunch of other organizations are going to be jumping in on that too, from the looks of it. And what um, is it a class on? Uh, so it's the initial event is going to be uh, a one hour class giving like a crash course on like intro to the ideas of liberty. Okay. So it's, it's aimed towards an audience that has, uh, you know, is, is completely new to the ideas of libertarianism. And we're just going to try to cover, you know, all the basics in an hour featuring uh, experts from, you know, a bunch of different areas of the subject, like our our chair, Rob Coburn, he's an attorney, so he's going to talk about some of the 
you know, criminal justice related issues and the core principles. Um, we have, uh, you might have met her because she was at the uh, New York City event, Irene Mavrakakis, who's a, who's a doctor. She's going to be talking about medical freedom. Mm-hmm. We have uh, people coming in talking about, you know, Second Amendment rights, um, you know, economic uh, freedoms and foreign policy as well. Um, we're going to try to fit it all in an hour class. Um, and in the, the initial event, we're going to we're going to make like add other things onto it as well. We're going to have like a um, I think we're going to have a horticulture class, uh, a live podcast and just we're just try to bring out as many people as possible. It's like a fairly big venue for being, you know, close to downtown Philly. So we could we could have a lot of people in there and we'll probably have tables, too. So we'll, cool. we'll make yeah. we'll make a day out of it. Yeah, let me know. Maybe I'll come down there and do do the coffee thing and teach people about Monero as they as they sell. Yeah, coffee. yeah. I hope you can. Um, when I go up to New York City, um, it's it's only a train ride away, so it's like it's not too far. All right, man. This is great. All right, perfect. Yeah, I'll keep you in the loop on that event as well. Please do. When is it? It's in July. Uh, we we don't have an exact date yet. It'll. If it's not in July, it'll be like the beginning of August. We're going to have a date soon, or you don't have a final date just yet. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Until next time, everybody, don't forget to take human action. Have a good night. (laughs) Cheers. All right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.